You're listening to Country Life with Keith Fahey on Galway Bay FM. Good evening, I'm Keith Fahey and welcome to this week's edition of Country Life. On the show this week, we'll be speaking to Chris Daly from ICBF and the National Genotyping Programme. We'll have Anna-Marie McEwan from the National Ploughing Championships and the upcoming event next week. And we'll also have John O'Neill from the Irish Dexterous Society and the upcoming Dexterous Sale that's happening in Gort Mart. We will also have some community news as well and looking at the Go- County Galway Ploughing Team for 2023. Uh, the report came in from the Galway Ploughing Association. The countdown is officially on for the National Ploughing Championships with one week to go before the commencement of the annual three-day extravaganza between the 19th to the 21st of September in Athenesca County Leash. The National Ploughing Championships is one of largest Europe's largest outdoor events uh, with its trade and exhibition area and its ploughing championships with over 300 ploughing competitors taking part in the various classes. Among them will be County Galway Ploughing, uh, the Galway County uh, Ploughing Team. This year's County Ploughing Team consists of 11 members who will participate in the respective uh, ploughing classes uh, compete against the best competitors from all over the country. The county ploughing uh, lineup will be the senior class Pat Higgins, intermediate class Eamon Burke, the junior class Sean Gilligan, the under 21 class Gavin Kelly, the novice class Alan Kane, farmerette class is Maura Canning, senior horse class is Jerry Riley and Michael Burke, and the special horse class is James Kilgariff, and the under 40 horse class is Killian Lydon, the single furrow vintage class is Michael Glynn uh, and the Galway County Ploughing Association and all supporters and competitors, families and friends are getting behind them as they travel to Ratanesca and we would like to t- take this opportunity to wish the Galway Ploughing team for 2023 uh, every success at this year's event and Godspeed the plough. So looking at some Mart reports uh, this week uh, from uh, both across the, the country and indeed the county uh, looking at Mount Pellew Mart cattle sale gone on Friday gone by there was a nice turnout of stock uh, that met with a very solid trade for all lots with the 95 percent clearance of all lots. Uh, sample prices for heifers included store heifers. Uh, one Charlie store heifer at 580 kilo sold for 1300 or that equates to 224 a kilo. One Charlie at 470 kilo sold for 1290 or 274 a kilo. One limousine at 430 kilo sold for 1210 or 281 a kilo. Looking at some store bullocks, one limousine cross at 445 kilos uh, sold for 1260 at 283 a kilo. One Hereford cross at 560 sold for 1200 or 214 a kilo. Uh, two Belgian blue Bullocks at 410, sold for 1,030 or 251 a kilo. Uh, and cattle sales are every Friday evening at 6 pm with gates open at 4 pm. And the Montbellion Mart sheep sale on Saturday, the 9th of September 2023. Slightly smaller number of sheep on offer to previous week. Stag yos were a similar trade to the previous week with the brisk trade for heavier lots. Increased numbers of buyers for breeding yos and hoggets. Lambs met with an improved trade all around with increased activity for store lambs and a very good trade indeed for heavier lots and some sample prices for these included lambs at 9 weather lambs at 46 kilos sold for 127 10 year lambs at 42.5 kilos sold for 120 16 weather lambs at 38.6 sold for 106 14 weather lambs at 45 kilos sold for 127 uh, 7 weather lambs at 50 kilos sold for 149 euro uh, 2 ram lambs at 54 kilos sold for 100, 151 looking on the stag yos then 2 yos at 90 kilos sold for 180 18 yos at 81 kilos 
sold for 152. And breeding yews and haggis, there was an increased number of buyers in attendance led to a brisk, brisk trade for all lots and offer yew. Haggis ranged in price from 160 to 218, with most good quality haggis exceeding the 190 mark. First crop yews ranged in the price region of 150 to 191, and second crop yews ranged in the price from ranged in prices from 140 to 168. Uh, and sheep sales every Saturday at 10 a.m. in person and online with Martai and two rings, Euring and Lamring gates open at 7:30 a.m. Cattle sales are, as we said, every Friday evening at 6 p.m. And you can email Mart at Montpellier.ie and the website there is www.mountpellew.ie uh, or you can phone them on 090-967-9660. So looking at today's uh, Irish Farming Independent, uh, Martin Coughlin reports this week um, for the beef and the sheep. So looking at the the, 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 price, the prices of beef and uh, sheep from around the country um, in, re- in relation to the mark, strong northern buyers boost mark trade despite autumn surge of numbers, um, but prices slide um, halted, uh, but Factories reluctant to yield ground. Looking at the base beef prices there for steers is around the four sixty to four sixty five. General prices paid at four sixty five. Heifers are about five to ten cent more than that at four seventy. And cull cows uh, range from three eighty for P grading cows up to four forty uh, for U grading cows as well. So um, that's just some information there in relation to Mark. Speaking to a number of farmers throughout the week there, um, a number of farmers selling cattle in the last week um, seem to be getting a very good prices in the mart as well. And in some in some cases, we also had Joe Burke on the, on the line last week. And it can also be seen there where a lot of Finnish cattle are indeed making more in, in the marts in certain circumstances. Uh, and they're going more per kilo when you break it down uh, uh, per, per, per animal. So in some cases, some Finnish cattle where there's a lot of northern buyers uh, they can afford to give that bit more um, as well so we are hearing a lot of reports that uh, farmers are indeed getting uh, better prices in marts in, in some conditions. Uh, so looking at the sheep marts around uh, around the country uh, looking at dower numbers were hit at, uh, to 3,000 including 2,000 stores. Trade for well fed lambs at 35 to 36 kilos was sound but less well kept or lighter lambs were more difficult to sell with many of these 27 to 34 kilos making 50 to 70 euros ahead. The heavy lambs include 42, 50 kilos at 145, 145 euros and 50 cent per head, while among the better stores, 57 at 38 kilos averaged 105, with uh, better 32 kilos making 85 uh, to 89 euro ahead. And looking at March then, so if we look at cashel this week, uh, numbers uh, here reached 400 with a very strong trade. Uh, Robert Devera Hunt uh, said coloured bullocks and wanings could uh, run into easy 3 euro per kilo with few stock under 450 Angus types met 220 to 251 a kilo with Herefords at 230 to 260 a kilo while 500 kilo Frisians um, sell for 1,000 to 1,100 all day long he said uh, among the lighter lots uh, sample serious demand lifted for 347 to 387 kilo Hereford bullocks making 870 to 890 per head while uh, 200 to 241 kilo Angus weanings met from 580 to 620 a kilo so that's savage uh, money there per kilo for Angus cattle uh, there's a big demand for Angus and Herefords at the minute uh, a lot of the supermarkets are, have a big um, uh, requirement for Angus cattle so they seem to be going very well per kilo as well. At the heavier end, 620 kilos uh, Frisian bullocks hit 1400 per head, while 660 kilo Angus topped out at 1800 euros. 
So, first up on Country Life this evening, we're delighted to have Mark Waters from ICBF. Mark, you're very welcome on the show. Uh, Mark, firstly, maybe uh, you might tell us what ICBF do and maybe what your role with ICBF is. Hi, Keith. Uh, yeah, look, thanks for having me on. Uh, so, ICBF uh, stands for Irish Cattle Breeding Federation. So, basically what ICBF do is we, we have an integrated database. We collect performance data and uh, DNA data and all kinds of data like that on all of the dairy and beef cattle in the country and what we do with that data then is we we help um along with Chagas and other stakeholders in the industry we have uh, set the kind of plan in terms of the breeding pro the breeding program there are targets for the national breeding program and then the main we also generate the genetic indexes the beef your stars and the ebis which are the main tool then in in kind of i suppose measuring the, our, our our genetic potential of our cattle and 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 helping both farmers breeders and and ai companies and the different stakeholders um to know which are the best animals to breed from and to select for breeding so that we can continue to make uh, improvements to our national herd. Um, so I suppose my role in ICBF then is uh, I work with the Herd Plus team. So we're kind of the the, the team that um, helps support all of the uh, any kind of particularly farmer interactions with ourselves. So we, you know, help um, help farmers understand how the indexes work, how to get the most out of their, their Herd Plus subscription, interact with the likes of the schemes and things that they're involved in. All that kind of stuff is our, our main thing. And myself, I have been actually one of my main focuses that the last couple of years is uh, the DNA calf registration project, which has been the kind of forerunner um, for this new NGP national genotyping program that we're going to talk about today. Okay, okay. And can you tell us a little bit about the, the, the original DNA calf registration program? Yeah, so the DNA calf registration itself was a, a pilot just to see, um, to test out the possibility of integrating all of the things that we do with our genotypes, you know, our parentage verification and so on, actually integrate that into the calf registration process. Uh, the earlier you do that, obviously, the easier everything is to fix up and you're kind of starting from the best base possible. So it was effectively a pilot program just to test out what needed to happen to make that possible. And, we, you know, we grew over over four or five years there up to where we have, you know, maybe 600 herds, 40 or 50,000 calves registered now this year through that process so that's that's um set the foundation for this national genotyping program because one part of that now from 2024 onwards will be to to be sampling the calves at birth okay very good um and like you know so it's, i suppose there's a phenomenal amount of data recorded on farm mark um and even when the animals leave so you know farmers mightn't be aware of the amount there's m nearly millions of, of of pieces of information being recorded daily nearly you could say between you know farmers completing calving surveys um c cattle being weighed through the different schemes uh weights uploaded onto your own site there on the icbf um um site and uh, you know uh, cattle being sold in marts, maybe how animals grade, it's all being fed back into, you know, uh, your database there to improve maybe sire records and all that to, and to make data more reliable. Yeah, that's right. So we're we're probably fairly unique in the world in terms of how integrated our database is. So the whole idea, the whole premise of ICBF uh, to start with was that we had have everything centrally in one place um, rather than, you know, different, you know, scattered 
databases with different parts of the information, you know, by different organizations, because when it's all pooled together, it becomes much more useful and, and powerful. So, yeah, all of the stuff that you mentioned, uh, kill-outs from cattle going to the factory, uh, weights of cattle going through the mark, the weights the farmers are recording through schemes, serves, calving events, all of that stuff, and obviously this big push now and then more more recent times is um, the genotype. So effectively, the ge- a genotype is taking a DNA sample from the animal, um, and we, you know, every single DNA sample we take, we have fifty thousand different genes, individual, well, genes for the want of a better word that we look at, and they can tell us an awful lot about the animal before we ever choose to breed from them, you know, to do with things like their carcass merit, their milk, their fertility, all of the different uh, traits that we're interested in. And we, can, and we can check to make sure that the right parents are recorded and all that as well. So I suppose that's where, you know, it's been a big focus, that genotyping's been a big focus because of the benefits uh, for, the, for the BDGP for the last... Oh, I suppose seven years or so since the the 2015. It's it's continued now in in the Suckler Carbon Efficiency Program, the SCEP, which has replaced the BDG this this year, and obviously it's the main driver of this new national genotyping program as well. Okay, and how do farmers uh, genotype animals? So. You know, no more, I suppose, people used to watching maybe their CSIs and things that, you know, we can get DNA from different things, but our two primary methods we have for taking samples are um, through hair cards and ear tags. And ear tags being being the preferred where possible is a little bit more reliable. So it's a it's a little tissue notch the same way as the BVD is is taken effectively, and then that's submitted to the lab, and the lab then extract the DNA and give us the the raw data, which we we then in, interpret. You know, check for parentage and feed into this, the 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 star ratings and the EBIs and all that and all that kind of thing. So that's how that's how it works. So I mean, farmers involved in the the beef data and genomics program, and now in the SCEP, the Suckler Carbon uh, program are, will be well familiar because they'll have been receiving um, mostly button tags, you know, over the last five, six, seven years as part of that program to take genotype samples. So they'll be well familiar with how, how it works, you know. Okay, okay. And maybe why should farmers uh, genotype and or, or become involved in the National Genotyping Program? Yeah, so there's a number of key benefits to genotyping, first of all, and then to the National Genotyping Program. So... I suppose primarily um, genotyping adds an awful lot more information into our star rating and EBIs, um, star rating if we're talking about beef, cattle particularly. Um, so it's adding a lot of information early on that we, w- we would normally have to wait, you know, and, and get weights and different things over the animal's lifetime. So it makes that more reliable, which means it's, you know, more accurate. And that means then the, the stars should match up more closely with what farmers are actually seeing on the ground in terms of their, their animals' performance. Um, it's a requirement for eligibility for the SCEP program. Um, so any, anybody who's trying to keep their four and five star females to meet their, their, their female replacement strategy need to genotype anyway um, for that. And we can also identify and correct parentage issues and sex errors if you happen to accidentally put down the wrong sex when you're you know, um, registering the calf. 
um, you can pick those up as well. So, you know, instead of having to go back and maybe interact with a DVO, send back blue cards and fill out forms to fix up those type of errors, um, doing it at birth will allow, you know, allows us to catch them and fix them before the blue card comes out. So the big advantage to um, herds in partaking in the National Genotyping Program are as follows. Um, they'll get the remainder of their um, existing breeding herd females heifers, any stock bulls that haven't already been sampled, say, through previous schemes or for pedigree societies. Any of those animals will be done for them for free. So we're managed, we've managed to um, take advantage of some of the, the Brexit funding that was there um, in, in, at European level to do that. And then they'd have access to what are called, uh, known as uh, double tissue tags, to tag to, to take their DNA sample from birth. So they, that's a huge advantage, for, especially for pedigree herds and, and herds in the um, suckler carbon efficiency program the skip because they have to do 70% genotype 70% of their herd each of their reference number each year so usually that involves them waiting until March or April getting button tags out getting animals back into the yard sampling them and so on um, whereas this way they, they'll they get their DNA sample from their, their ear tags that they're tagging their calves with anyway so it's going to save them a huge amount of, of um of labour um, in terms of tagging and not having to re-sample re animals later in their lifetime. And that sample then is, is perfect and it's still adequate for anything that the pedigree society might need. It'll give them the information to need to, uh, to know whether the animal is eligible for the scheme and so on and it'll count towards as their sampling requirement for the SCEP programme. So they're getting it all done at the, at, at the easiest time when it's a small calf, easy to handle, that they have to tag anyway. So that's a huge um, benefit to the National Genotyping Programme for, 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 for beef herds in particular. And as I mentioned, then having those parentage and sex errors ironed out before they get printed on the blue card and, 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 and everything is correct then from, from day one, you know? Okay, very so good. there's probably the two biggest benefits. Yeah. Yes. Um, I would also might maybe give farmers a little bit of a reminder there uh, for the dairy beef welfare scheme, the weights, and for the skip weaning weights, uh, the the deadlines is coming up in the next couple of weeks. Maybe uh, when is the deadline, I suppose, and how can farmers weigh cattle if they don't have their own scales? So the deadline for weights is, is the 1st of November. Um, if you don't have your own scales, there's a number of options. So um, some people will borrow... Um, scales from neighbouring farmers and that's fine once that scales is registered by the farmer who owns it then they give the give the the the, the farmer participating who who's weighing uh, their, their registration number and they register that then as a borrowed scales or there's a I suppose the easiest thing is there's a, a network of co-ops all around the country that have scales for for rent so it's 50 euros I think is the fee for for to take the scales out for a day and that booking is linked up to the ICBF system so there's no need to register scales or anything the booking show up once they book it through the, the co-op um, so they're the, they're probably the primary primary um, ways. If a, if a far if a farmer wants, there's also a network of technicians that are listed on the ICBF website that they can call, um, and the technician will come out uh, with their own scales. And most of those actually the weights go straight into the ICBF database from uh, from their handheld. Um, that's probably a little bit more expensive to be a call out fee or whatnot. But they're the they're the three ways that a farmer can um, can can. Get a scales if they don't have one. The the co-op rental 
borrowing a neighbour scales and and registering that or or with the way technicians. Okay, very good, very good. So a lot of information there in the National Genotyping Program. And Mark, if people want to find out more, how can they find out more about it? Yes, yeah, so we have a ton of information online on the ICBF uh, website. There's a section actually dedicated to the National Genotyping Program, listing the benefits um, and so on and the terms and conditions. Um, to sign up, hards need to log into their ICBF account and then once they're in there, they'll see a, a logo for the National Genotyping Program and a big green button says NGP sign up here and that's how they that's how they join we'd encourage every herd participating in skip and probably every pedigree herd as well uh, beef herd to join the program i think it makes a lot of sense uh the, the one little caveat the herds must be registering online must be able to register online it's not suitable for paper but otherwise we'd encourage every herd to take part um and like like i said it's a, it's a great way to if if, if herds do want to sample calves at birth um and they want to you know reduce their labor by taking the the samples through their calf tags the only way to get uh, to get have access to those special calf tags is is through the national genotyping program so if they're interested in in that particular element they must join the the ngp look they can give us a call anytime as well in her in the herd plus office on 023-8820-452 or by email and there's a dedicated email address ngp at icbf.com uh, and we, we can we can give them whatever uh, information or clarification they, they want through, through those channels as well. Very good. Mark Waters from ICBF, thanks very much. Some brilliant information there on the new uh, National Genotyping Programme. Uh, thanks for coming on Country Life. So next up on Country Life this evening, we're delighted to have Anna-Marie, Anna-Marie McHugh. Um, great to have you on the line. Um, a, a very, very busy person all year round, but especially this week, I'd imagine, Anna-Marie. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit crazy now at the moment that we have the countdown to, to the ploughing. Um, you know, there's just so much happening. It's kind of, it, it's a live event really at this stage because, um, you know, the, the last of the build is happening on site and um, all the exhibitors are bringing in their equipment and getting everything in place. So it's a, it's a busy place. Very good. So what's your role for anyone that doesn't know? I'm sure most farmers will recognise the name. Well, <laughs> it's multiple really, I suppose. Um, I'm assistant managing director of the MTA, but um, my role would be particularly in the event management end of things and um, just, just working with my colleagues both here in the office and on site in relation to just making sure all the infrastructure is where it needs to be and all the services are in place and, and the, any staffing and, and then just working with the different elements of the, of the team on, on uh, planning it out and dealing with the event control and um, dealing with the, the services involved and that kind of thing. And um, then as well as that, I would be, um, I'm also General Secretary of the World, so we actually leave a week after the National, we leave for the World Contest in Latvia. So um, we're putting the final touches to that plan as well at the minute. So it's you, you could get an email from us now and it, it could say Ratneska or Kuldiga Latvia. <laughs> Things could get mixed along the way. But um, look, it's just that time of year when it's all happening and you have to just roll with it. And so do, do you sleep at all this weather? Um, there's lots of lucasade being drank and, and there's, there's um, a constant supply of something sweet in the office to, to, to keep up the... The momentum, but I know. Look, people are very, very easy to deal with in, in general, and um, you know everybody's kind of under the same pressure with with the deadline. Like at least what we just say to ourselves here is, you know, we, we have a timeline, and and we we just know we're on the countdown. So you have to just give it that one little push. It's like somebody that's in the marathon, and you know they're coming around the last corner, and and, and they know that the end the end line is ahead. So the one thing I suppose is weather, because no matter how hard you work to put it all together, 
if the weather lets you down. It's just such a shame for everybody. But uh, we've been lucky enough now in the in the in the lead in the last few days. It's been given. You know, we've had great conditions to actually get equipment in on site. Very good. And when is it on? And how many people are you expecting over the days? Yeah, well, the event will be on from the 19th, 20th, and 21st September uh, next week, so Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And last year we had, I think, approximately 287,000, I think it was, over the three days. So big attendance. Um, you know, you're, you're heading strong there for 300,000 people. So a big, big attendance. And um, not everybody is happy with this this year that we had to go with the tickets online, but it's just because of the attendance figures that we've been um, directed to do that. Um, and look, it, it's working. It's working out. Some the people that are have difficulties, we're working with them and working through it. Some people are sending us postal orders and checks, and some people are ringing us with a car details, and we're processing it for them. But we're making it all work. Um, and last year, we actually had between sixty-five and seventy percent of tickets were booked online anyway. Um, but it's the way things are going, and we just have to do this for for health and safety um, to make sure that we don't have an over attendance on any one day. And it's one of the largest events, outdoor events in Europe, uh, Anna Marie. Yeah, I suppose daunting when you think of it like that. But you know, we we have we have um, we have a very big trade arena. You know, we have about one hundred twenty-five acres now of a trade arena this year. In total, we're using about eight hundred acres with five hundred acres of car parking. We have about one hundred fifty to one hundred seventy acres of ploughing. Um, so it's a big, big area for the for the event, um, and then we have a lot of international delegations coming. We have people coming from China, Brazil, Australia, um, uh, USA, and a lot of a lot of Europe uh, delegations coming uh, for different projects. Some are coming with um, the county council. Some are coming with enterprise board. Some are coming with um, different scholarships. Actually, groups coming over to the event, and people scheduling tours and that at this time so they come to the ploughing. Um, and all of that is very important because you know we have so many uh, businesses and Irish Irish um, companies at the ploughing, um, and you know it's often the case that they actually meet um, somebody at the ploughing that gives them a market internationally, and that's massively important. And you know to to give trade opportunities to these people and give them give them potential. So um, that's one area that we, we feel that we, we really feel that can benefit Irish business. God, there's some organising when you think about it, like you mentioned 800 acres there, 500 acres of a car park. There must be a serious amount of organisation in terms of services like electricity, water, stalls, everything. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, the infrastructure build now would have started in early July. Um, the panels would have started to be put in the ground, the, the, the roadway panels, and, and the people putting them down, they move in and they live on site from the beginning of July until October, um, and because they're just working through through the day on that, and then the plumbing and then the electricity, and um, then the, you know getting in all the, the, the cabins that have to get in, the tentage, um, wiring up everything, getting the broadband in, all the different facilities. Um, you know, we have, a, we have a full hospital on site, and then we have uh, first aid points around the site as well. And everything like that has to be planned and everything structured. And, you know, you have to plan even with your exits. You have to have exit capacity that if you had an incident, how quickly can people get out of the site? Even though you're outside, um, you have to have, you know, so many different elements to it. But look, everybody, you know, the people are great. Community is great, Ratneska. Um, and, and everybody just kind of puts their shoulder to the wheel and, and puts it all together. Everybody has their, their thing to do when, when gates open on Tuesday morning and they just go to their job and, and make it happen. Very good. And we must also mention the um, the Galway. Galway has a large way. I was talking to Agnes O'Sullivan earlier and um, you know she was mentioned there's 11 uh, members who will participate this year in the, the different classes. Uh, the Pat Higgins, Eamon Burke, uh, Sean Gilligan, yeah. Gavin Kelly, Alan Keane, Maura Canning, Jerry Riley and Michael Burke. Um, 
um, than the horses class. Yeah. All good competitors that have potential of, of, of winning winning prizes at the national, you know, and people do forget that, um, you know, sometimes that, that, that the ploughing is happening and they think it's all about the exhibition, which is far from the truth. Uh, the ploughers out there really, you know, they just get in to see the exhibition later in the evening when they've done with ploughing um, because they're there, it's their All-Ireland and it might be their first All-Ireland to compete in. It might be the first time they have a chance of winning All-Ireland and, you know, that's a massive uh, landmark for them. So, um, what's happening out in the fields is really what what it's all about with them. And you mentioned Agnes there; she's an import from Cork. You know, she's not yeah, a, she is, a yeah, true yeah, region. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking thinking that on a, the first time I met her, uh, and she was telling me she was involved with the the ploughing. I was like, "You're not a, a Galway native, but uh, yeah." There's James Kilgariff there, Killian Lydon, and Michael Glynn as well. Yeah. And, the, and the horses, obviously, as well, is, is a massive, massive attraction, yeah. isn't it? And I have to admit that. Um, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't something that that uh, I often looked at back in the day, and for some reason, sometime I, w- I was at I think it was a local ploughing match, and I just happened to be standing at the horse plot looking, and I was just in awe. You have to give it, you have to give it about ten minutes. The 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 guy in the horse have to have to walk up and down the plot before you really appreciate what's going on and the way the horse will walk so carefully, and he won't walk on the furrow and he won't damage the furrow. And it's just such an, a skill, both with, with man and, and animal. Like, it's just such a skill to be able to do and well worth anybody having a look at it. And it's actually this year now, it's in the, it's in the field right beside the, the trade arena. Um, we have a new area in, into Drennan's this year, into Dermot Drennan's, and um, the, the horse ploughing is just down the, down the field from it. So it's, it's definitely well worth taking a look at. It, it's lovely to see. And we have horse ploughing classes on all three days. Very good. And you might just tell us a little bit about the the world ploughing there that you're saying you're leaving next week. Yeah, we leave we leave on on the Saturday week uh, a week later. Um, we actually load the the equipment and and all our we look we we load the the competitors ploughs on the the day after the ploughing on the Friday morning and we load all our our office equipment and we we it heads for Latvia and uh, then we travel out the following Saturday uh, to a, a beautiful little town actually called Kuldiga, about two hours uh, from Riga. It's actually a little town that's in for um for uh, World Heritage um, status um, because it, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful little town and um, that's where it'll all kick off. We, we, we'll start there from the, the Monday morning prepping for the, the international teams coming in and they'll be coming in from all over from Australia, New Zealand, um, USA, Canada and um, right, across, right across Europe as well and our world competition will be on the 13th and 14th of October. Um, in Latvia and then um, just after the guys compete in Latvia um, our team will, will go to um, will go to Denmark our, our European team they will be in Denmark on the 19th and 20th of October so it's just all action for competitors and this year at the, at the National next week you'll have all the competitors out you know they'll all have a clean slate starting out to try and qualify either to try and win an All-Ireland, try to win a medal, or try to qualify for, for an international competition. Everybody's at, at different levels and, and um, huge competition. And, you know, you can say that the top guys are always on top, but they are until the guy gets in and, and beats them. That's the reality of it. And anyone can have an off day or maybe just doesn't have, don't get a perfect plot. Um, and then it's all changed and you, you have new people competing in these competitions. Very good, very good. Well, uh, some organising and fair play to you. Look, at it's a, it's a fantastic, we go every year, it's a fantastic um, service, it's brilliant, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, as you know, it's, it's unbelievable to think that Ireland can have one of the biggest uh, outdoor events in Europe with 300, almost 300,000 people, a phenomenal. Yeah, look, it's a great place for people to meet and catch up and I, I actually had a young guy on there a few minutes ago and uh, he's booking 90 students 
from his TY group uh, to go to the ploughing. Like, and that's some crowd going from one school, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and they just love going and getting to have a look at the different things that are going on and so many different exhibits. You know, there's no, there's no one high street that you can go to and you can get all these type of things um, in the one area. You know, you walk, granted, you want good, good walking shoes on you, but there's such a sense of variety that you, you can get at the ploughing and see a little bit of everything and um, then catch up on people that you haven't seen maybe even since the ploughing last year. And uh, the atmosphere is always good. I think rain, hail or shine, the atmosphere is always good at ploughing. If the weather is bad, people just put on the rain trousers and the, and the wellies and they get out and they die just as well. Very good. So that's Tuesday at the 19th of the Thursday, the 21st. And how can people get tickets again? Um... Tickets online at npa.ie. And I will say, please, you know, apart from the fact of, of, of the, the numbers, um, you know, when when the event is sold out, it's sold out, and we 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 won't be able to open the gates if if the tickets are sold for the particular day. So if you if you if you're sure of what day you're going, book it now. If you're not, wait until closer. Once the tickets are still available, you can buy them up until until the you're you're about to take it into the car and go to the event. And the rates are also uh, better online for for uh, pre-purchase. So npa.ie. And if anyone has difficulty working on online, they can always send us um, a check or post that order for the tickets or give us a ring with a card and we'll put it through for them. Very good. Anna Marie McHugh from the National Planning Championships. We wish you all the best. So next up on Country Life, we're delighted to have John O'Neill. Um, John, uh, you were the chairperson of the Irish Dexter Society, and you also run a her of uh, Dexter's yourself. Maybe firstly you might tell us a little bit about the Dexter breed. Yes, Keith, I'm a former chair of the Dexter Society. The breed is a uh, an ancient Irish breed in the same genetic stock as the Kerry's. They, uh, uh, they originate at the, the same, during the same period and the only difference between them was the introduction into the Kerry's about 200 years ago of a, a dwarfing gene either accidentally or intentionally, and the uh, the ones that were dwarfed were known as Dexters and the others as Kerries, but they ran in the same herds and ran, were run with the same bull, etc., so they were effectively one breed. They uh, split around the 19, uh, 1920s or there. The UK and Britain and England in particular took a, a big interest in the miniature cattle. There was a, a fashion during the Victorian period for miniature animals and the Dexters, I suppose, benefited or got caught up in that, whichever way you want to look at it. But they basically, all of the Dexters were exported to Britain around that time and the two herd books got split. So they diverged a bit from there and both breeds through selection and some level of introgression uh, are now significantly different from one another. But um, they were reintroduced into Ireland in the early 70s with a, a project with the Department of Agriculture and uh, UCD combined. And they were the first ones brought back onto the island of Ireland. The uh, funding was withdrawn for that project and uh, the uh, animals were dispersed into a, uh, a herd uh, from David Cooper with, uh, and they were effectively the first privately held herd in Ireland after the reintroduction. Okay, and what did they look like for people maybe that mightn't be familiar with them? So they're the smallest breed of cattle in Europe and some, some people claim the smallest breed in, in the world. Um, they uh, are in two colours, red and black. Um, there's, there are occasionally what are called dun ones, but it's my belief that that's from a, a non-dexter gene. Um, 
that got mixed into the uh, the breed over the years. So it's the same as the Kerries. The Kerries have worked hard to eliminate red from their hair, from their breed, but it still comes up reasonably regularly. So it's the same the same colour range there again. Um, they have, they're a horned breed. They're a dual purpose breed. So they're uh, very good uh, maternal st- uh, characteristics and um, very very easy calving. And but will will turn to beef. I suppose the carries are a bit more on the dairy end of things. Um, okay. So I suppose that's a sketch of what they're like. And you also have Dexters yourself, um, John. What uh, what kind of farming do you operate yourself? So I'm in I'm just outside Kilkenny here, but it's a pocket of fairly marginal and a bit of wet and rushy. Good summer grazing, I suppose, that I would be described. And uh, I'm part-time. So they're an ideal fit for that kind of a setup. They take very, very little minding in comparison to any of the modern breeds, or the improved breeds, whatever you want to call them. And they, um, they really suit, again, marginal land because they're excellent foragers and they will, uh, you know, eat what other breeds won't eat and will thrive on it. They need enough food. It's not that they can be... Uh, you know, kept on very poor fare, but they will do well where other animals, other cattle won't do well. Okay, and what kind of age at slaughter, maybe carcass weights, or maybe what markets are you uh, focusing on? So at the moment, we we have a a floor under the price that would be paid per kilo. We have a deal with ABP who sell through um, Marks and Spencers, an online version of Marks and Spencers on our behalf and they pay us 60 cents over the kilo price on the day that they're slaughtered. The um, carcass weights vary. There's quite a range of animals within the breed. They can vary from about 140, 150 kilo up to uh, a little over 200 kilos. That would be dead weight. Uh, Generally, the the very youngest they'd be killing out really is two years but most people will take them on to the 30 months. Okay, okay. So when you say 60 cent above um, price, is that 60 cent like above the base price that week? Exactly. Okay, so if we're saying this week is 460 for steers, you'll be getting 520, uh, inclu- including your. Okay, uh, very good. Okay, so you're looking at about maybe, they might come into about 1,000 euro at, at, at maybe 24 to 30 months of age at the minute. Exactly. Okay, exactly. okay, and they'd be all grass-fed um, usually, would they? The vast majority. Some people give meals, but they they tend to convert meals into fat. They they really don't. You don't see that much benefit from meals. Okay. Um, and most people don't. Most people finish them completely on grass. Okay. And my setup would be: I'd uh, try and make hay every year, and they'd be stored over the winter on nothing but hay. It'd be good quality, and they'd have it ad lib. But, but that's how their winters would be. And then you'd finish them. I generally finish them. I finish. I calve down around May time because the ground is wet, and I think it's better to calve them out. I find that works better. So I calve in May, and then at thirty months, uh, late September, kind of October of their third year then they'd be sent for slaughter at that stage. Okay, with very low inputs maybe compared to your conventional uh, cow, I presume. My expenses every year are, I get somebody in to bale the hay, 
and obviously I have my TB testing and small amount of veterinary bills, but that's it. I'm organic as well. I don't spread fertilizer. Uh, you know, I I keep the costs way down. I literally spend nothing. Okay, okay, very good, very good. And uh, you, you have a big sale coming up there. Um, can you tell us maybe where it is uh, and what your what's for sale, or what have you any idea on numbers yet? So we haven't firmed up numbers, but it's in Gert in in um, in Galway, and uh, it's on uh, on the seventh of October. Um, so. Uh, at, at 1 p.m. we start. That's a Saturday. At a, no, I don't. It is it Saturday? Correct, correct. Sorry. Yeah. So it's. Um, uh, we're hoping to have a good turnout. We have uh, the minister has promised to attend, and we have uh, a number of people. We will have Dexter burgers and Dexter meat to be tasted, and um, because of the acres scheme this year, there's very, very good demand for breeding stock, and we hope to have a, a good sale, you know. Okay, very good. And what is the meat like? Is it Does it differentiate from other breeds, or is it... It's top quality meat. It wins prizes on any of the blind testing uh, tests. It's well marbled, uh, obviously smaller because of the size of the carcass, but that can be... Uh, I, I suppose an advantage as well as a disadvantage in that with people's desire to, I suppose, reduce their consumption of red meat, you can still get a top quality steak that looks exactly like it would on a bigger animal, but is is just that bit smaller. Um, and, uh, you know, it, win, it does win test, uh, taste tests everywhere that it goes. Uh, there are a number of uh, celebrity chefs and chefs who who um, are promoting it and are big fans of it. it. It gets into the restaurant trade and into the hotel trade, and it does extremely well. You know, there's there's far more demand for the meat than there is supply. Um, so we have a lot of our own members of the society then that are also direct selling and doing the farmers markets and all that kind of thing. So it's um, uh, it's a question that we just simply don't have enough of it. We can't get enough of it to supply the market, to supply the demand. Yeah, we had Donna Baitexters on there a couple of months ago, and uh, they're doing marvellous things. They're selling meat boxes and that. Uh, there'd also be, you know, for farmers thinking of maybe getting into them, maybe how can they find out more about the Dexters? And maybe, I suppose, would you have many members there maybe using their own meat or their own Dexters for their own freezer? Yes, so there, you can find out more from the Dexter Cattle Society website, and that's DexterCattleSociety.ie. We also have a Facebook page, and we're bringing up a presence on the other social media at the moment. And um, our administrator, Leslie Sands, is uh, an excellent source of information as well, and we'll send out information to people. Um, we do as many of the shows and events as we can, again, to let people um, have a look and an idea and talk to people and get uh, flyers, etc. So it's at this time, we simply can't meet demand. It's a, it's a very uh, strong position to be in. It obviously doesn't guarantee that it will remain that way into the future, but that's, that's how it is at the moment. Um, you know, it, they're not like a conventional breed in that if you decide on... Uh, 
on a Tuesday that you you need to have money and you need to convert your cattle into money. You can't just take them to the mart. They're a niche breed, so you will have to advertise and done done deal or go to a specialist uh, mart, etc. But it, it's the the animals sell. They I've never had difficulty in selling animals, and I can't imagine that anyone will anyone will in the foreseeable future. Um, it's just has, you have to take a slightly different approach to to selling. Okay, very good. So that's the inaugural breeding show and sale 2023 for the Irish Dexter Cattle Society on Saturday the 7th of October at 1pm and Gart Co-op Mart and the air code for that is H91V256. So the Gart Mart, 7th of October, for 1pm, uh, uh, breeding females and breeding bulls and more information. And that's on the LSL auctions as well. Uh, so you can download the app there and bid online once you have pr- prior approval from Gart Mart. So breeding females and breeding bulls. At, uh, more information can be got at www.dextercattlesociety.ie so that's www.dextercattlesociety.ie John O'Neill uh, uh, it was great to have you on and uh, some brilliant information there from uh, I presume one of the older the oldest or one of the few how many Irish breeds are there of cattle there's probably only a, a couple is there there's there's four um, there's the well maybe five there's the the carries the the, the dexters Moyle. Um, Moyle, exactly the Irish Moyle, the uh, Drimmon and uh, sorry who am I forgetting um, it doesn't matter anyway that, that's that, they're the main breeds the only one that we have in in significant numbers really are the dexters okay. um, so they're the only ones that are really viable to create a market at this time. The others may improve in numbers over time, but as I say, we had a reservoir in Britain that we could bring animals in from, so we were able to get the numbers up faster than the uh, the other rare breeds have been able to do. Very good, very good. So that's it this week from Country Life. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, I'd like to thank our speakers for tonight, uh, John O'Neill, Anna-Marie McHugh, and also Mark Waters from ICBF. Uh, so if you'd like to contact us at countrylife at gallabfm.ie, or if you have any emails or queries, don't don't hesitate to give us an email and we'll get back to you. So until next week, uh, next Tuesday evening at 7pm, we hope you enjoyed Country Life tonight. Uh, so for me, Keith Fahey, uh, good night, and next up is Melodies, followed by the Nightfly.